Morning and welcome to another edition of the Field of 68's Best Bets show presented, of course, by Bet Rivers. This is our Monday edition, easing back into the week after a, a relatively small Sunday slate. Kai and Matt, did you watch any hoops? Do you have any big takeaways from the Sunday that was? Hi, Jim, you. me, Matt, thank you. Hey, I was at Wisconsin. I went to the Kohl Center. I saw the Badgers play the Gophers on Sunday. It was a fun experience. I've never been there before. Madison is an awesome town. Yes. It rocks. Uh, very, very cool. Campus was cool. It was freezing outside. Spotted cows were great. Kohl Center, very, very nice venue. A little disappointed. It was pretty quiet. Pretty good crowd, but quiet. Students, I think, just got back, so they're easing back into it. Um, overall, good experience, though, Matthew. Yeah, hey, here's my takeaway. Um, we saw Providence play yesterday against Marquette, and that team simply does not know how to lose. So for all the talk about them being the luckiest team in the country, a narrative which Ed Cooley himself has wholeheartedly embraced, which I love, um, that team has just won my heart over by the fact that they simply have Matrix-esque abilities to dodge all kinds of bullets, uh, took down Marquette in ugly fashion. That's kind of been their MO all year, right? Win and ugly, taking away some of the, the poetic high-octane offenses, dragging them down into the mud. And they did that against Marquette, who's been on fire, held them to 63 points, Jim, I'm not ready to like declare Providence some like final four contender or like the favorite in the big East, but I sort of need to respect their ability to adapt to their matchup on a game to game basis and just pull out wins, man. Like at some point winning does matter. Yeah. They're atop the big East. I mean, maybe they're not the favorite, but they're winning in the they last in first. Yeah. <laughs> one loss. So uh, there's something charming too, about a team that gets the game winning bucket on a and one dunk and one dunk. Yep. Nate Watson uh, just absolutely ruining Marquette's front court there. That was, that was impressive. It's like an um, NBA street away. volume two, uh, Kai, what the, like the game over like 21 mm-hmm. rim shatters. It's not just volume two. In fact, memories. Matthew, it's every, I know, but that's the only volume I played. I thought that was the best okay. of the three. NBA yeah, strange. Uh, my takeaway guys that Loyola might be in just a hair of trouble. I, I don't think they're like outside the field yet or anything, but they have been not sharp in Missouri Valley play and they've actually started to take losses. They, they, scraped out some wins at home uh, but now at drake the home to missouri state one they can't keep racking those up or unfortunately the uh, good efforts but losses in atlantis are going to catch up to them they're not going to have the quality wins to make the field so concerned about the ramblers we'll see if they're able to get there all right let's get into tonight's slate matthias your blue devils are heading on the road to notre dame the Irish have been pretty solid at home. They've got that Kentucky win that they're sporting. They knocked off North Carolina at home. Do they get another blue blood here in South Bend? No, I think Duke matches up pretty well here. I just think Duke's talent and pro-level shot-making negates any sort of like defensive type of scheme you want to throw at them. I think Duke basically comes down to how well Duke plays. I think they can always, like when you're handicapping Duke's game, it comes down to more, Kai, how well do you think Duke's going to play on that indiv- on that certain night versus what can Notre Dame's, in this case, pack line defense do to thwart Duke? Now, if you want to look into that, I'd say nothing. I think they just shoot right over it, right? The way uh, Bancaro has been making shots. Griffin is like, what, the best shot maker in college basketball right now? Just on volume and efficiency, he's been insane. Yeah. And even without Trevor Keels, uh, Jeremy Roach has really stepped up, answered the bell. So I'm not even worried about his absence tonight. I think Duke rolls here. I think this is actually a cheap price. It's been bet up a little bit. Um, but I think six or less is a pretty good wager here on the Devils, even though you have to worry about road Duke. Pretty usual. Yeah, Duke struggled a little bit at Louisville. Eventually put them away, covered. Um, they are slightly weaker on the road, it seems, this season. 
but clearly a notch or two in the talent department, Matt, and compared to Notre Dame, which, which you mentioned, uh, Duke's athleticism, I think is going to be an issue for them. Baron Caro, who, who can guard him on Notre Dame? I, I, I count zero players um, on that team, but Dang they good. are a very good home team. They're what? They're probably the best ACC team at home this season, six and three against the spread, two and oh, as a dog at home, quietly seven and two in, in conference play and in the tournament discussion. So a lot of the line for them here, obviously everyone gives their biggest effort against Duke, usually the best home crowd. So maybe that propels them here. Um, I, I just think Bancaro and, and Mark Williams inside is going to be too much for Notre Dame. I'm leaning towards Duke minus five and a half. Yeah, the, the individual matchup stuff here is like who guards Bancaro, who guards Griffin, who, who guards Williams. Like you can go down the line and the athleticism gap is gigantic. However, I thought that about Kentucky too. And Notre Dame hung around there, got the win at home against the Wildcats. So it's not a complete you know, blowout in that sense. Uh, but Matt, last year, Notre Dame did beat Duke. Prior to that, Duke had won and covered seven straight. And that kind of feels more of a piece of this matchup where Notre Dame has fallen off a little since the, uh, the Jackson days and the Bonzi Colson days. Yep. The athleticism yep. just hasn't been there and Duke's been able to overwhelm them. So I- I'm concerned that that is the case here because this is just like on another level athletic team. And there's a chance Trevor Keels even suits up. So that's, that's an even bigger uh, concern for Notre Dame. Yeah, I mean, Blake Wesley, our guy, has to have a monster game here. Um, and last two, he is two of 14 from inside the arc. I, I think he's going to have a tough time struggling to score against Duke's length. I think that's going to be a problem. Agreed. All right, let's go to the Big 12. There's a couple of teams coming off that Big 12 SEC Challenge just on Saturday. Quick turnaround for a Monday game here. Big Monday. TCU at Oklahoma. Kai, TCU got the big win over LSU, potentially a, a season-shifting type of victory, gets them into the tournament likely. Uh, Oklahoma, meanwhile, fought valiantly at Auburn, but ultimately got downed by 18 by the, the number one Tigers. Mm-hmm. Do you think this is the buy low, sell high, take Oklahoma at home, or is TCU just playing too well right now? Yeah, they've been scorching, man. That, that LSU win was incredibly impressive. I know Pinson wasn't all the way back, but he he played off the bench, and they, they still racked up points against the LSU defense. No one, does yeah, that. yeah, they handled yeah. business, man. And they're three and three in conference play, uh, whereas OU is, is heading in the wrong direction, Matt. They're still in the tourney picture, um, fading fast though. Three and five in Big Twelve, losers of six of the last seven. Game one in this game was overtime. Uh, TCU managed to win uh, by one point. It was a back-and-forth defensive battle. Neither team scored over 0.85 points per possession. They managed under 120 points for the entire game in, in, in overtime even. So it was a gross, gross game to watch. But I think this total opened way too low. I think it was a big overreaction by the market. Um, eight, or odds makers, uh, rather, eight points below the closing line of last game is the total. That's a huge overreaction. Uh, I think there's value maybe punching back on that, Matt. Yeah, I was looking at TCU on the side, Jim. I know it's a terrible spot potentially here, but I just think the way they're playing right now is very impressive. And Oklahoma, the last three or four games, you look at their opening numbers, um, and even the closing line, it's like, really? They're getting priced like a top 25, top 20 team? Um, I should have been on Auburn last game. I sort of sat in the sidelines while you guys cashed that one. I'm quite annoyed, but I don't really get why the Sooners, I mean, I love Porter Moser. I just, at some point you have to have talent on the floor and I just don't think they have the caliber of players that justify how they're being priced right now. Bet Rivers, unfortunately, showing five and a half. Uh, most, place, most places it's painted six. I would give it a wholehearted, a ring endorsement for the Horn Frogs at six, but five and a half, um, especially given the fact that TCU did win that first matchup. Better spot for Oklahoma. 
uh, just feels like there might be some momentum on the Sooners side, Kai. But I think everything else sets up pretty well here for TCU. Yeah, I, I'm, Matt, I'm with you. I think these two should probably be priced closer to even um, than, this, than this number indicates. But the spot does concern me uh, with the buy low so high. Kai, I was on the under in that first meeting and was stressing about it going to overtime. Somehow stayed under in overtime. Uh, I'm actually kind of liking the under again. I, I think both teams played that up-tempo, looser game against the SEC foe, and now back into league play, a game that means a ton for both. I, I think we see it kind of like bog down and become more of a grinder in the half court. So yeah. you might be right on the number, though. That So value-wise, perhaps uh, the, the over has the value. I just The way the game is going to play out, my guess is under. Just an observation. Uh, yeah. No yeah. recommendation. Just a, yeah. hmm. All right, let's stay in the Big 12 former number one team in the country, Baylor hosting West Virginia, West Virginia and Baylor both took L's in the SEC challenge, both on the road. Uh, Baylor lost at Alabama. The tide actually showed up. How about that? And West wow. Virginia went to Arkansas. Arkansas is trending back up guys. Yeah. I think they're comfortably a tournament team right now. So oh, how yeah. about them hogs? Uh, but let's talk about this one here, Matt, do you have any profound takes on the bears? Do they get right at home against the West Virginia team? That I think it's lost five in a row now. Yeah, it, to be honest, I you know Bob Huggins is always a uh, great soundbite pre-post game at any point in the season, especially when his teams aren't playing that well. He's always just like, like the world is falling, and like the nihilistic tones are just funny to enjoy. It he is basically implying that he doesn't quite like the work ethic of his team. Kai, a lot of sort of um, you know reading between the tea leaves here, it does not feel like it's a good situation right now in Westfa. All that said. I think 14 is a massive number for a Bob Hogan's Bob Huggins coach team against anyone in the big 12, especially against a Baylor team Kai that is walking into this game kind of hobbled. Now the key thing for West Virginia though, is that Taz Sherman did injure his ankle, uh, came back and was gimpy and without his shot making, I don't know how West Virginia scores against Baylor. Cause in that first matchup, it was brick after brick inside the arc from their forwards and wings. Yeah. It, it, they're kind of like Oklahoma right now. They're fading two and five in the big 12, five in a row. They've lost. That first Baylor game they played, they got down 16 in the first half. They fought back, lost by nine. No Akenjo, no Sohan in that game for Baylor. You know, Akenjo might still be feeling the effects a bit from his injury, but I, I believe he's playing. Sohan's back. Um, and, and Baylor really had no issues scoring against West Virginia in that first game. They still put up a lot of points. West Virginia's defense has been very bad in, in Big 12 play. It's the worst in Big 12 play. They've been soft on the glass. They've been soft on the perimeter. It's, it's, it's going to be an easy bucket every time down the floor for Baylor. Spread looks high, um, kind of sticker shock, Jim, but yeah, I think it's justified. Yeah, the, the one concern Matt mentioned, them, them being a little gimpy, uh, if LJ Cryer doesn't play, that takes you know one of the threats out. He had 25 in the first meeting. He's he huge, used. yeah. He yeah. made tough shots, but man. If you just tag in Akinjo, is that at least a decent offset there? I don't know. Yep. Um, the, Kai, you're mentioning the West Virginia defense. It's so weird to think about Huggins that way, but like – or, or a Huggins team that way. But those, like the Sherman McNeil, Matt, that duo is so offensively skewed. It's hard to right. expect a lot of intimidating perimeter defense from that crew. Yeah, it's not Javon Carter, Daxter Miles, or the like the vintage Bob Huggins guards that we're used to seeing. In no way. Very different type of DNA he's got there on the perimeter. Yeah, so I'm kind of leaning Baylor, but not strong enough with West Virginia getting 13 points. So, All right, let's get to a monster one in the Mountain West, guys. Yeah. Laramie, Wyoming, two at-large contenders. Shockingly, at this point in the season, we did not expect Wyoming to be in that conversation, but they are hosting Colorado State. 
Matt, the Rams coming off kind of an embarrassing performance. They got blitzed at home by UNLV. That's a problem. These teams look very similar. Like they have very similar statistical footprints. They yeah. play similarly. Do you think one of them is just better or do you find a matchup edge here? What, what are you looking at? I still think Colorado State's the better team, um, even though the recent results would indicate otherwise. The line movement, I think, was the right direction this morning. It opened Wyoming as a slight favorite, and now it's flipped to Colorado State as a slight favorite. I think one, one and a half, or laying one, one and a half, depending on where you're looking. It comes down to what's home court worth for me, Kai. Um, I think these teams are pretty near equal. Like I said, slight edge to Colorado State, but I think the line should be around Pickham. Um, if you think that Wyoming deserves a ton for home, which you could argue they could in a traditionally tough spot to travel to some altitude, uh, big home spot, but then you look at Colorado state, they can't possibly play any worse than they did against UNLV. I mean, how do you give uh, up 45 points to Bryce Hamilton? Just completely obliterated. Uh, him. I mean, I know he made like insane shots. So a lot of, of that guys. was basically, he is one of those guys where he just kind of comes out of nowhere and drops a, you know, 50 burger on you without you expecting it. But I think the spot sets up better for the Rams. And for that reason, I, uh, I stayed away. Just a lot of conflicting forces here, I guess. Yeah, it's an it's enormous, enormous game for at-large, for Mountain West. For both teams. Every, everything, yeah. for both teams, yeah. I have both teams in the tournament right now, but the margins are pretty thin. And there's only so many really, really good win opportunities left in the Mountain West for them. Wyoming, I was surprised. So they're 7-0 straight up at home. They're 3-3-1 against the spread. I expected a much stronger ATS record at home. Um, obviously trends aren't everything, but it's just an interesting, um, stat there. Colorado state coming off loss. I still really like this team. I think they're better. I think they get it done. Graham EK might be an issue for them defensively, but they're just so cohesive. They're so dangerous offensively. Um, and in fact, Wyoming is as well, which is why I think both teams will actually kind of score in this one. I'm actually leaning towards the over if anything here and and lean towards Colorado state. Yeah, Kai, I'm, I'm kind of on the same page with you. I'm, I'm leaning towards Colorado State. I think Wyoming's defense has been propped up by some three-point luck. I don't think it's as good as it has showed. They are not very athletic. They are a lot bigger than Colorado State, just like general size. Like their point guard six seven. Graham EK is, is way more of a physical force than anyone Colorado State has. But I'm leaning towards the Rams. I, point well taken in the chat about Colorado State starts. They have been sluggish out of the gates almost all season. Not not a great first half team. Kind of a, a West Coast Bonaventure, if you want to get a dig yeah, in on the Bonnie's kinda, yeah. first half performances. Um, so maybe yeah, the Wyoming first half and then come in with the Rams in the second half. That could make some sense. Ultimately, I do think Colorado State's just a slightly better version of Wyoming right now. The prolific offense, uh, a little bit lacking on defense. So I'm riding with the Rams. All right, let's go to chat mob now. Uh, make sure to hit that like button, folks. I see yes, the, the number is is racking up a little bit. We love to see that. Uh, Kai, what kind of questions do we have? Well, we got a healthy little slate here, Jim. Um, from Pat, we have Northern Arizona. They are traveling to Southern Utah, the Thunderbirds. Jim, any side lean there? I'll get you the spread here. 13. Not, not really a side lean. I, that's like exactly what I made it. So I don't have a ton of look there. Northern Arizona is playing a little faster in conference. Jalen Cohn starting to catch fire. I could see the over. Having some like edge here. Um, yes. Southern Utah games just feel like transition points explosions to me. I also think Southern Utah smacks them, so I think it could play really fast. I'm with Ooh. you, Jim. Over. Okay. Matt, big sky again. North Dakota's hosting South Dakota State. This is from Dome Summit. Hawk. Summit. Good Lord. Good Summit. Lord. <laughs> Excuse me. Wow. Bite my tongue. Uh, 16 and a half. Wasn't um, North Dakota in big sky recently? Maybe. They were. They were. They were. Okay. Uh, I'm tired. 16 and a half, Matt, huge, huge, huge spread, probably justified. What do you think? 
Um, it feels big, but like North Dakota is, we talked about this on, on Saturday, like trying to catch a falling knife. It feels like that's what you're doing here with the Nodax. However, it's a terrible spot for the Jack Bunnies um, off two massive wins. You could certainly see a letdown. And we've seen the Jack Bunnies basically, when they let down, it, it, they're pretty big letdowns because they don't guard anybody. So um, I'm not going to say a money line's in play here, but I think we might look at the score and be like, how is North Dakota competing with South Dakota State? It's like, ah, the Jack Bunnies just tend to do this. They take nights off defensively when they're not engaged. So I don't know. A little worried about laying that many points. In, injury note, Dougie Wilson left the game late with back spasms. So if they call, rest yeah. him for this one, right. that would be a nice lean towards North Dakota. Jim Ed asks about Mercer Wofford plus four and a half. Mercer is, is getting at home here. It seems yeah. a bit big for me. At some point, Neftali Alvarez has to return. Doesn't he? I don't know. He's been oh, yeah, in the no, boot, no, no. really <laughs> dealing with like the, the, the issue there. They're kind of their young guards have stepped up a little bit without him, but I'm leaning towards Wofford here. Uh, I, I just think they're, they're better and, and Mercer's limited without Alvarez. They're kind of not quite whack-a-mole. Like they're not that, erratic but having young guards at point guard is is an issue joe has a twofer for us number one norfolk state matt is at north carolina central minus three for norfolk who has been awesome uh this, this season yeah i have nothing profound here i think there's a ton of points um but i guess on the side you're basically I, i'm really torn on both sides i have not had a good number on either team this season i do think there's a lot of points in this game norfolk's 12 three and one against the spread this year they've been Terrific scorching. NC Central's trending up a little bit, but mm-hmm. yeah. Jim Moorhead State is at Tennessee State. Five and a half here. Um, I think there was a question about the total lean as well in this game. Not sure. Can't, uh, it, probably not actually. Just side. <laughs> it feels low uh, just because this is one of your three good teams in this league taking on one of the seven bad ones. Mm-hmm. But Moorhead's coming off a very disappointing late non cover against Murray State. Broke my heart. Uh, layup with four seconds left to. Go yeah, going to 11 on a plus 10. Ugh, ouch. But uh, so maybe get a little bit of sleepy Moorhead, but I just think they're so much better. Tennessee State has some talent, but hard to trust them. Matthew from Matthew, Northern Colorado, oh, the okay. real UNC, as another chat mobber pointed out. Uh, they are going to Portland State. Three and a half points. Feels a little low. Felt low. I wrote down, this is my first like, that one feels lower. That one feels high. Um, yeah. Spot game of the night when I went through the slates early this morning. I'm sorry, last night, I should say. However, I look closer at my numbers in the home court in Portland State, I think, is trending up. I, I, I actually see some upside with this team, a team that we were fading a lot early in the year. So I stayed away. But uh, I, if you have to play something here, I think you go with the road, the short road favorite. Jim Tooch wants to know about Southern and Jackson State. My guy, the Tooch, uh, I, Southern's just better. Jackson State's really struggled in league play. Yeah. Uh, without Gabe Watson, they don't have any sh- shot creation, um, and that, that has really hamstrung the offense. Opponents have actually started to figure out their defense a little. If you get McKinnis in foul trouble, they are done because Wayne Brent auto-benches him. Uh, yeah. So I kind of lean towards Southern. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, let's stop there. Let's go back to the rundown. All right, let's go to the Big Ten. Matthias, I think you are probably the one that has the strongest sense of, of this game. If Iowa heading on the road See. to Penn State, Iowa definitely a strong home team. But Penn State, the way they slow the game down, they could be a feisty home dog here, taking on the Hawkeyes. Are you riding with Mr. Shrewsbury or are you, you staying away? Yeah, riding with my guy Micah. I was on Penn State for the record when they traveled to Iowa City. That game did not turn out very well. 
Uh, but Penn State, I think you're going to see just better efforts at home this year. They've always had a strong home court in Big Ten play, not because they have like this boisterous home crowd, but I think it's just sort of an odd place to go. It catches teams in sort of sleepy lull spots in the Big Ten schedule where they're usually more amped to go play like a marquee, a Michigan or Michigan State. And the way they're playing right now, I'm, I'm in on this Nindy Lions team. I really am. Um, I, I know the record doesn't quite indicate it, but they're, like I said, year over year, it's a team, it's a program that's always undervalued in the market. And I think you're getting them at a good upswing and fading road. Iowa is a good strategy. Um, not quite road Rutgers, but road Iowa is a much more mortal version of that team. There could definitely be a compilation of Matt being like, I know the road, the record isn't that good, but I like this Penn state team. That could be an annual. You just yes. play that clip over and over. Yes. <laughs> Don't believe what's on the surface. Kai. Uh, yeah, I'm tempted to punch back against the market, actually, at plus five now with Penn State. Uh, but Iowa just beat them by 17. And, and in that game, Penn State scored 0.82 points per possession. They allowed 1.1. Iowa's definitely worse on the road, but they're much better than Penn State. Um, my number leans that way. I, I'm scared of this Iowa offense. It's so potent. And in, in tandem with that uh, low points per possession stat from Penn State that first game, Iowa for 17 turnovers. And they, in fact, lead the league this season in forcing turnovers, which blew my mind, was not aware of that. Who says they don't do that again? Penn State's ball handling has been very shaky this year. So all in all, it's a stay away, Jim, with a number lean towards Penn State. Yeah, Iowa off that loss uh, to Purdue, I, I think they're kind of come out a little bitter. They're four and five in the Big Ten. This should be a tournament team. You can't go to four and six losing to a non-tournament team. That's That's bad news for the Hawkeyes. So I'm leaning towards Iowa as well, spot, and I just – I think they're categorically better than Penn State talent-wise. All right, let's go to CAA, guys. It's a big one. We've got UNC Wilmington on absolute fire right now, Kai. They're hosting Drexel, the Dragons. Wilmington has covered 10 in a row. They've won 10 in a row. Eight of those covers are, or eight of those wins were outright dog wins. They have just been sensational. Yeah, They've erased deficits of 10 plus points five times in the last seven games it's nuts so does that continue today against the dragons or is this finally the one where uh, unc wilmington comes back down to earth yeah eight no in ca eight no against the spread like good god i my my thing is just why why, why not ride them why not keep riding them I, I i'm leaning towards unc wilmington here drexel's been solid matt but they've been very on and off um okros for the chat he is supposed to play today that's huge he's a good shooter um, but they didn't need him against James Madison. Like I said, it's a tough team to figure out. Fireball against James Madison. Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm leaning towards Wilmington. Uh, why not? I'm leaning Drexel. I'm always the lame, like, counterpunch guy who doesn't want to ride the hot team or doesn't want to fade the bad team. I'm always betting more on the correction, like, who you are, true to your form. I think Drexel is just the better team. I think this gravy train has to round at some point for you. And as much as we like this squad. My concern, though, Jim, is the spot for the Dragons. It's their third road game. Uh, played Thursday at James Madison. As you mentioned, we're absolutely unconscious. Lost at Towson in a grueling 59-possession slugfest. Two days later, you're going to Wilmington, who is, like I said, basically playing with house money at this point. Um, concerning spot, but I think Drexel should be favored in this game. And right now, it's, what, the bet up to minus two Wilmington? Yeah, I think there's good good, um, good value here on the Dragons at two. It's too bad because Wilmington's my best bet, Matthew. So, boom, punching right back at you. <laughs> hey, my best bet stink. Your best bet's rock. This is a good thing. This is a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm, good. I'm, I'm going with the market here. Hey, even if they get down 10, like I said, we know that they can come back from that deficit. This is a team that closes games, Matt. We've been trying to find the ones that actually yes. play well late in games. The they Seahawks have done so that often. 
in, in past years, Siddle's had issues playing his system because he hasn't had depth. And this year they do. Uh, there, there was a great article, I believe, on the Seahawk perch about the offense and how they've made their changes a lot more screening, a lot more action to get movement has helped their spacing. They're actually getting good shots now, not just firing threes ad nauseum. Uh, I, I think Wilmington is undervalued in the market, Matt, because of early season foibles and, and stuff yeah. where they were a different team. Uh, so, and the market is clearly reflecting that, betting them three points, flipping them from a dog to a favorite here. Uh, I am riding with Wilmington minus one and a half at Bet Rivers as my best bet here. All right, next game on the slate. We're going west. This is, we're, we're, we get low uh, on quality games quickly on this Monday slate. <laughs> yeah, so, yes. We've got New Mexico headed to San Diego State. Viejas. New Mexico has actually been like, weirdly feisty against really quality Mountain West teams recently. I kind of thought when Emmanuel Quach went out, that would kind of break their spirit hasn't been the case they have have hung around the guards make shots Kai do you think that the home court advantage of VA house here is going to be a little too much for kind of a shorthanded Lobos team yeah I I do and their defense is nuts uh San Diego State's defense it's it's incredible VA house is a tough place to play for anybody especially in Mexico and then maybe my biggest angle here Matt uh, the offensive glass is going to be a huge issue for New Mexico. You, they're with no bigs. Sure. They've hung around, but that's going to hurt them to get San Diego state, a team that super emphasizes that uh, on offense. I think it's going to hurt them. So I lean towards San Diego state. I do too. Um, they've been relatively better at home than on the road. I think they have a pretty strong negative cover margin on the road and they are up, I think a two or three points as Jim mentioned at Viejas, uh, the show is, is one of the best venues and just a tough place to play a play where, a place where the Aztecs seem to play well. And yeah, I mean, they just, I know Brian Dutcher will have a good game plan to slow down um, house and Mashburn. And you take away those two dudes, uh, New Mexico becomes really limited really quickly. And I'm especially concerned about their ability to keep the Aztecs off the glass. Like I say, you know, state's issue that they go through scoring droughts, but when you're playing a team that can't keep you off the glass, you have ways to manufacture, points and prevent scoring droughts and the techs have that tonight a lot steps up here for the techs even though we've been kind of lobo dudes most of the year yep matt i'm I'm with you i've been all over the new mexico's undervalued train at least early on in the season uh they're eight two and two against the spread at home new mexico is but nowhere near as strong on the road uh actually they're five and one against the spread on the road what that surprises me is that right oh my gosh they've just been dominant against the spread all year uh but yeah, I, the, the matchup is really concerning. They're going to get bludgeoned inside, and this is a really good, well-disciplined defensive team that's not going to get beat by two guys going iso ball. So uh, maybe the number's a little too big for me to back San Diego State, but the matchup definitely plays to them. Yeah, Jim, you're right. I'm looking at the only blowout is really they got killed by UNLV, but uh, I forgot they lost uh, by six. Colorado State lost by two at Wyoming and lost by nine at Nevada. So they've just yeah, been Yeah, we had a little right prior there. discussion about that recently about like, Lately, they've been just hanging around every good team in this league. Uh, All right, let's finish off the outline. Eastern Washington headed to Weber State. Big Sky, Kai, you're the big sky. sky. This is the big sky. (laughs) Uh, Man, it it certainly feels like a shootout. The total says, hey, this is going to be a shootout up up around uh, close, getting close to 160. Weber State tends to play very fast games. They're coming off, though, Kai, a 59 possession game against Sacramento State. So yeah. there could be some slingshot effect against the team that uh, is going to be willing to run with them. Eastern Washington. Is that how you see this one? Or is it like short rest? Maybe just stay away. I, uh, yeah, I'd probably take Weber over everything here. 
nine and one in the Big Sky. They're they're starting to really handle teams. Uh, every game's kind of like, whoa, Weaver's legit. Whoa, Weaver's legit. And yeah, at home, I keep waiting for like, oh, they played four good games in a row. They can't play five. Yeah, they. I think they're just awesome, Matt. So even at eleven, I probably still lean their way. Yeah, I mean it's a terrible spot for. I mean, you actually are you both teams. Weaver's played. What they this is their fourth game in seven fourth game in seven days for both teams, but the difference is that Eastern Washington just played at both Montana schools. Um, so yeah, th- this could feel like a place where they crack. But we always we've mentioned before how the Weber State home isn't quite what it usually is. Like to so far as to say that their star player has called out their fan base. Um, so it kind of makes you want to fade Weber at home, but because uh, Ewash has been really feisty and team that I think is a little bit undervalued, but the spot's too too daunting for me to back it with any confidence. Yeah, Weber two and five against the spread at home. The D has not been kind to them. A couple of those losses are against step up in competition. Like right, they got right. blown out by Utah State and I think it was BYU. Like so they've had problems with stepping up in class, but in the big sky, they've been a lot more solid. Uh so yeah, I kind of like the over, but the schedule spot worries me. Both teams playing fourth game, I, th- I think eight days. It went Monday, Thursday, Saturday, Monday. Oh, eight days, so yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's not ideal. Uh, so maybe maybe temper down the, the bet size there. All right. Back to chat mob. Kai, I'm sure there are a couple more we've got to cover. What, what, what do we have? We got four, Jim, at least so far. Uncle Jay asks about Hartford and Maine. Uh, someone else assumed that Matthew had a take here on Hartford, Maine. He always does. Yeah. Take Hartford. Uh, Maine has had one of the worst home court advantages all year, I think, which is completely backwards. They actually have, I think historically a decent home court, um, because it's a tough place to get to. I would take Hartford here. I think Hartford destroys them. But they're covering like crazy Maine is recently. Lately. Like they've yeah, been lately. A, a wagon. Um, I like Hartford. They kind of rope a dope as Kai, because they were so bad to start. And now like yeah. they've kind of built up this like cushion of value. Where now like, okay, now if we're just a little bit feisty, that's good enough to be. It was a big rope a dope. Under says Jim. Yeah. Hmm. Hartford's uh, playing a lot slower lately. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, UMKC, Jim, AKA Kansas City, AKA the Ruse, are against Western Illinois. Six and a half point spread here. I think Ed mentioned before it felt short. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm on the other side. I'm against the market here. I, I know this has been bet up a little bit by folks, and they're on Western Illinois. I think UMKC is a feisty underdog. They constantly have been under Billy Donlin. They're coming off that weird loss to Omaha, which I think hopefully should rally them a little bit. But that second straight road game, second roadie in, in three days, is a little concerning. Uh, and, and they still don't have Josiah Alec back, the key guy up front. So. I'm, I'm leaning towards the ruse, but nothing strong. I'm with you in there. Ruse. The Paris Howard, South Carolina state total. Any lean in this one? Zero lean. Um, it seems like over for sure. Like a no brainer against Howard and South Carolina state. Right. That's yeah, I mean, Howard doesn't slow down against anybody. They've never slowed down. Yeah. 150. I think that could be like 85 to 80. Yeah. I'd go over. Feels right. And then finally, Jim Colgate and Lafayette. And it was just asking Colgate Lafayette toothpaste versus the leopards toothpaste. Yeah. Lafayette's a weird team to figure because we were like, Oh, Ty Perry's leaving. That's their only dynamic guard. And then he was just in their starting like, lineup. Oh, and no, he's not. He's actually he's, still there. Yeah. Their, their, their Twitter account was like, Ty's back. Like, Is he? What? Okay. <laughs> that matters. Uh, so I, I, you know, I'm hard, having a hard time figuring out the Lafayette value. They've got the retirement coaching angle. Coach K is not the only retirement tour going on right now. That's right. So. Keep, keep that in mind, but Colgate's just better. I think that's kind of the issue here. Um, they can actually combat the big guy inside Neil Quinn. And that takes away like the main strength of Lafayette. 
Somebody's doing Twitter accounts, Kai, real quick, just a nice little uh, slight tangent. Let's not be so robotic with these, like some context or addressing people. Something at the end of the day behind the man, they feel like robots behind the scenes running. Some are active, some are not. EMU's Twitter hasn't tweeted in over a year. Fun fact. Really? Uh, And last question: the only school account doesn't have to. Yeah, I don't. Anyway, sorry. Done. At the horn here, and I choose to believe this is a purposeful spelling thing. Uh, Trayvon asks about gambling state versus Alcorn state. Who do you like? Five and a half? Grambling? Um, Alcorn? I do lean Grambling, to be honest. As good as Alcorn's been this year, I think this is actually a decent spot for for uh, for Grambling. I'm against right. you again. I like Alcorn. I think to blow them out. Ooh, nice. Gerald Liddell missed last game for Alabama State. That's pretty huge. Uh, Grambling State, though. Uh, Grambling. Grambling, yeah. yeah oh, yeah, yeah. you're right. Yeah. Okay. So, oh, Kingsby. He's the one that's out for Kingsby. Grambling. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I so hard to keep track of all these players. Uh, that's it for the chat mop round two. We have some best bets though, Jim, don't we? Uh, we sure do. And Matt, we're going to lead off with you. Uh, Pacific St. Mary's is where my best bet will take place. Santa, Santa, Clara. Clara. Santa Clara. That's right. Doesn't matter. The opponent doesn't matter. My point is I'm taking Pacific. <laughs> Just beat BYU. I went to bat for my Pacific Tigers on Saturday's show. And they got it done. I actually was kind of hoping they'd lose because I worried that there could be a little bit of a feeling good about yourself, reading the press clippings. Although there's probably not a ton of press clippings about the win over BYU and Stockton, California. But anyway, they played well. I think they're undervalued. I think they kind of ride that momentum into this matchup against Santa Clara. Not a ton of home just going across the, I guess, well, not a typical Bay Area team, but it's not a gargantuan, large, long travel situation. I think they match up well. I know Pacific had um, Andrew, it's their stud shooter out last game, but got Nick Blake back. I think he matters. 12 points a lot, man. In on Pacific. 12 and a half. Uh, and also, as Ryan pointed out in the chat, he's correct. Pacific is the worst ATS team in the country. That's right. But three I mean, one to know in their last one. <laughs> yeah, you guys said that before the BYU game. So that worked out well for me. Uh, Matt, the schedule <laughs> for Santa Clara has been kind of wicked recently. Yes. Uh, last five games Gonzaga, St. Mary's, San Diego overtime game, BYU, San Francisco. Like they've been going through the gauntlet. So maybe there's a little bit of a letdown here. Uh, my turn. FAMU, Florida AM, the Rattlers. The team I chose to roll with in the last version of NCAA March Madness, which was like 10 years ago now, um, plus one and a half here. And Jim mentioned Alabama State is their opponent. Liddell is still out for them. He's a starter. Now they've been okay without him, but family has been awesome lately. They've covered six in a row, looking very good. They currently lead the SWAC. They have the tiebreaker over all corner right now. Um, Alabama State down that starter. But Florida A&M, one of the most experienced teams in the country, ninth in experience. Alabama State, 339th. I think it's a men versus boys situation here. Love catching points for, for Florida AM. and m So plus one and a half, my best bet. All right, like it. I thought Matt was going to – Matt inhaled like he was going to comment, so I was leaving No, I was air, trying but... to – I thought I had a – sorry. I thought I had, I'd like notes for every game. I did not have a note for that game. I thought I did, I didn't, so sorry. It's going to win, right. though, Kai. I think it's a great bet. Like you made a nice suit. Thanks, Matt. Hey, I'm with, appreciate I'm with it. You on it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, my best bet, as a reminder, was UNC Wilmington minus one and a half hosting Drexel. I, I just think that team is rolling right now, and, and I'm throwing out a little bit of the early stuff because of some of the changes they've made. So let's go Seahawks. That is it. Anything else we need to hit here, guys? I believe that's everything. Oh, I want to plug the Field of 68's Bracketology show that is debuting yeah. today. It is called Fielding the 68. I'll be hosting at 6 p.m. Eastern. Um, Kai will also be hosting some of the episodes will be every Monday, Friday. So check that out. We'll be talking bubble teams. We'll be talking one seeds, bringing on some of the best bracketologists on the internet. It's going to be a fun one. I, I have a deep passion for bracketology, so I'm excited. So check that out again, 6 p.m. Eastern Mondays and Fridays. 
All right. Thanks again to Bet Rivers. Thanks to the Field of 68. That is our best bets show. We'll tweet out our best bets. And of course, good luck to everybody. We'll see you again here, same time tomorrow.